Welcome to a very special episode of Me, You, and Jeju. If you could not notice, for, the, for those who are just listening, uh, we are in the house that Brenda built. Thank you very much for Brenda having me. Brenda and Jan built. Brenda yeah, and Jan built. I apologize. I apologize to Jan. But it does sound good, doesn't it? The house that, that Brenda built. Yes. I like it. It sounds good. Yeah, so we, like I said, we have a very special episode. We have Brenda who's going to be our interview for today, and she's going to be a part of our entire episode, and which we're going to start off with... Uh, there's been some news that we can't ignore, which is the fact that um, there's a Chungwon Day, a Blue House petition going on right now concerning a ban on people collecting uh, fisheries from the uh, like shells and abalone from the Jeju Seashore at night, and that because there's a f- and they're going up and they're complaining about it. This ban that's a million dollar. Want uh, one fine if good. you get caught good, collecting good. the shifa. Now, why is that good? Why are you in support <laughs> of this ban? I'll start. Well, first of all, because it affects uh, the Henyo's living on the on the island. I mean, mm. this is how they make their money. This is how uh, they support themselves and their mm. family. And if people are secretly going out to collect on their shores, mm. then yeah, I think that's a problem. I mean, that is their garden. I mean, that's where they feed their families. That's Uh where they educate their kids by the things that they harvest and and send their kids to school. Uh I mean, the culture of the Henya is pretty much, they all have their own territories. Yes, they do. And you don't cross them, even if you're a Henya. Exactly. So for tourists Mm -hmm. or locals to go in there and take it away Mm -hmm. when it's so limited, Mm -hmm. that is no-no. No-no. It's actually people coming from the mainland who are selling it online. Right, the fishers no, that they catch. Stop. Some of them, really? some of them. This is based on the Unhap article that I got the uh, the protest of because the people are protesting. Because I knew it wouldn't be JG locals because no, no, one, no, would, no one from JG no, would no, do no. that. So that yeah. makes sense. Because it's fascinating because they're, they're coming up against not just mm. this law but against it's a cultural thing, right? Yes. Like what people, a lot of people don't know. And uh, Brent, you've done a lot of research, years. You've written a book about it. I've done a worked on a couple of the government projects mm-hmm. about Henyo and what people don't realize mm-hmm. is that the Jeju Henyo fisheries system is part of the culture of here. Mm-hmm. There's 102... Very organized. Yeah. Yeah. Very organized yeah. and very, very strict. Sorry, I cut you off, but 102 what? There's 102 village fishing grounds on Jeju. Good grief. Right. Okay. And, um, and this is important because each of those fishing grounds, they have their own responsibilities, right? Right, of course. So, but part of those responsibilities are seeding their fishing grounds. Making sure that the and, product is so, yeah. Wow. And the Henya do not go out when things are spawning. No. And their no. whole, their, one of their mm. main important sayings is about not being greedy. Yeah. And yep. you only take what you need when mm. you need it. So mm. I say triple the fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, Brenda. I like it. There's a, well, mm. well, let me ask you a question. So there's this fine. How, how are they going to be catching? Are they putting in the hands of the Henya? To report no. people or are people investigators coming along the shore? I mean, I'm assuming they it's because of the bylaw it? thing, right? Like it's not a criminal okay. offense, so they would have so to have just, like officers walk okay. on the streets or whatever. And just but catch it you. is a threat, right? Okay. It's a threat enough that three thousand people, about three thousand mm-hmm. people, have signed this petition mm. against the against the bill. And the way that the petition goes, it has a line that says, um, there is a a certain group tries a certain group tries to control the public oceans as if they're there as if they own them. Which is, I mean, there is, isn't there a debate? Because it is a public area, is it not? That's interesting. True. But it's, but within Sheju, there is, as you said, a culture. Right. And there is tradition. Mm. Mm. And there is a definition and boundaries Mm. that have to be respected. And it's night fishing. It's It's night night harvesting. And I think that's what is the shady part of that. 
obviously there's something a little bit underhanded going on. Uncool. Other, un, yeah, uh, yeah, that's probably my English sometimes. I really worry about myself. But if they weren't worried about what they were doing, they would go in the daylight and mm. just be free about it, you know? Oh, I, well, I didn't actually think it was that secret. Yeah, not, not, well, who goes out at night like well, that? That I mean, yeah. no, I mean, it seems shady. But does it seems right. yeah? But know. the thing that bothers me is about that is because Henyo have very strict times that they can harvest exactly. that, when right? the tides go right. Yeah. But there's also Hello. based on Hello, right. the the government like reports about the uh, sustainability of these fisheries. They say that they have to stop at a very specific time, and yep. if the Henyo do not stop at that time, if they're still in the water at that time. There are severe punishments for the entire community. Yeah, so why would anyone else be free of those rules when they're the, yeah. Mm. Wow, this is really important news. So now I have another question for you. So if they are selling these products online, is that enough? Did they talk about that on the in the article about that's another way to catch them? Because if oh, they're selling it online, mm. you could be... No, you know? no, they didn't. No, mm. they didn't mention that. I'm, it was sure, just, I'm sure it's all in the works. Th this was yeah. like a Yonhap Wire article, so it's very oh, quick okay. and it's very brief, oh, shorting, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but this is some stuff that we should be looking into because... Definitely. Okay. Definitely. I mean, you probably have these facts and figures too. I'm, I'm a big facts and figures guy. He, so, Brenda, on our podcast... When it's in front of my eyes, <laughs> I have it, but I'm not like you. I'm older than you, so... No. I'm, I'm not. I mean, post-its. No. <laughs> But he, he always he just pulls out the craziest facts. So yes, let's see what I he's know. got. What do you got for oh, us? Oh, okay. So, okay. Like, so as of 2019, the 3,820 3, annual represented 41.9% of the island's fisheries population. Wow. So that's, that's, that's how much it was in 2019. So right. imagine how much it was responsible before, like in the 1960s, yep. when right, there was right. thousands of them, right? Nice. And now we're, we're both looking at the facts like, <laughs> you're, wow. you're, you're, you're cheating, you're, you're trying to steal my facts. So in 1990, the, Fenu, the Henio's fisheries production reached 17 billion won, representing 21.5%. What, what year? One more time? 1990. Okay. The Henio fisheries production reached 17 billion okay. won, representing 21.5% of the produced, uh, of what... Fishing vessels produce. Okay. So, fishing vessels produce That's, tons more, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But so impressive. in 2019, they mm -hmm. actually gained more money. They earned 19.9 billion won, but it only okay. represents 4.6% of compared to oh. what the uh, fishing vessels actually get in. Mm. And this has been a big problem for Henio in general, right? Like, there was rules instituted years ago about preventing boats from fishing mm -hmm. on Jeju because mm -hmm. of the Henyo, because of the overfishing. Now, it's, I mean, we're coming up to the problem now, as, as you know, as everyone knows, is that we're, the Henyo are depleting. Yes. Now, is there, I'm curious to know, Brenda, what do you think that the government or what should be done to, for Henyo? This is a controversial issue, I actually think. I, I do too, because it's been long discussed. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they are, you know, a dying generation. I mm -hmm. think people say, are there going to be more? And I usually say, not really. That mm -hmm. there are some people trying to become Henya, but they're more the exception than the rule. But I think most of them, there has to be some kind of ongoing pension mm -hmm. for their economic survival until they pass away. Right. I think that's the bottom line. Then the other thing for them, I think, is some of the uh, legacy, which people have done, the museums, the school, mm -hmm. all that. But I always say, I don't ever talk about the at this point without talking about the environment. Mm -hmm. The oh. Jeju Ocean is part of the Pacific Ocean. Mm -hmm. Pacific Ocean is part of 
Mm-hmm. planet mm-hmm. earth mm-hmm. and it's the dirtiest most polluted ocean of all the oceans mm-hmm. and the great garbage patches between california and hawaii mm-hmm. and now the threat of fukushima wastewater mm-hmm. coming that's going to ruin the fisheries and pollute mm-hmm. waters in japan and korea mm-hmm. yeah. that to me is just really a problem but i think the main thing the government is trying to do which they have been doing is give them some kinds of economic support supplemental right. and i think the bottom line okay. for them is really economic and then yeah. maybe something like extra money so that they can continue to support their kids going mm-hmm. to school exactly Edu- the reason they're diving yeah. and risking their lives is for their families um, education edu- edu- education mm-hmm. but the other thing i wanted to just add is that when people think about the Henya, because as you know, there's so much international attention about them. Yeah. Wow, these women, they're <laughs> so rare. They're really? And especially in the and last they, few years. Yeah, and they just don't realize that for them, it's a job. Thank yes. you. It's economic yes. survival. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's the bottom line. I, I try to explain this to people because people treat them like they're exotic animals. Tur- right? And yes. it drives, yes. they take well, pictures. Tourist, of, tourism, they, yeah. They, drive, they, they take pictures of them. They act like, oh, let's go on a Henya experience. and Like they're dolphins. Let's go mm-hmm. swim with the Henya. And it drives me crazy because imagine replacing Henyo with plumber or imagine <laughs> with another trade there is more it to a Henyo than necessarily be, uh, that because there is a cultural aspect to right. it but when the when I I remember when I first interviewed a Henyo back in 2010 I was at her Mimbok and I spoke to her and I said what do you think the government should do for Henyo and she said nothing let the profession die off because it's oh. a they don't want no one wants to be Henyo because obviously I'm generalizing no one wants to be Henyo because it's more than just a job but it's very very difficult when they do surveys back in like 1990 mm. I think 64% of Henyo said they didn't want to do it and when I spoke to husbands when I interviewed them a couple of years ago I asked them what do you want to do? do you want the Henyo profession to go away they said no I said do you want your daughters to be Henyo they said no, no. do you want your wives to be Henyo they said no because it's yeah. not it's a not great. A, it's a dangerous. No, it's, it's, dangerous. Dog. it's hard on the body. It's hard on yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. It's not mm. interesting. Mm. I do you know I was down in a, un, underneath Sunrise Peak maybe about oh seven months ago or something like that and some Henya were coming in and it was just this perfect opportunity to take a picture. Mm. But I went and asked permission. I said, would you mind? There's this background mm. and it, it turned out to be a really beautiful photo that they were really happy with. But I would not take photos without asking. Do you know? Like it's it's weird. It's yeah. It's weird. but that's a whole we could go on I about mean, that. You, for you a while. have the right to it's in a public space, right? Yeah. Like you don't have to ask it's polite to. It's about, respect. It's about respect. It's about I'm not, respect. I'm not saying run up there and take yeah. pictures, but like it's it's they're working. I wouldn't want someone to come up to me while I'm working on newspapers, you know, and taking pictures of me right, randomly. Right. It's it's not. I have a job to do, and mm-hmm. they have a job to do, and they're not here because of uh, tourism. Though the government is trying to promote it for tourism, for but, sure. But maybe that's also part of trying to preserve it. I yeah. It, what do you think, Brenda? It's oh. a tough, it's a... Well, there, I think it's money's behind yes. promoting change of tourism. Mm-hmm. And the Henya is a very attractive bait. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I don't think it always comes back to serve the interests of the Henya. Absolutely. So I think the long-term thing for the Henya is protecting Cheju environment and joining the global movement for the environment and oceans being, you know, safe. Because mm-hmm. that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, Agreed. even if they don't dive anymore, they're going to still be living mm-hmm. and have kids and families. So then we're all in the same place. So it's interesting you're talking about moving it from being like a backdrop of reason to come here and look at stuff to actually having a significant purpose 
to preserving uh, sustainable fishing exactly. and the environment. Yeah, I don't, I don't like seeing the Hinya segmented out of the issues going on in Jeju Island. Mm. You know, um, Sasam. They were right. affected, but not only the hinga. Yeah, absolutely. the diving is not just the hinga. I mean, mm-hmm. after they dive, they go to the farms directly and start farming. People don't realize that no, half no, no. the job of being a hinga is farming. Exactly. Exactly. So because they can't only they can only go into the sea so many days right. a, a it's year. It's a hard life. I will say that it's uh-huh. a hard life. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's about time for us to throw to our 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 interview. Yeah. So okay. well, well, first we have to go to. Um, JG Dialects Corner brought to you by GS25 and Jungmoon and Jungmoon GS25 and now it's time for another corner of JG Dialect with our teacher Son Seung Nim Hyunjung thank you very much for being with us again hello (laughs) hello how have you been it's been a while I've been very busy (laughs) with work and baby yeah and so for today's lesson, we thought it'd be good to talk about saying goodbye to people. Because in Korea, there's actually an interesting way, just in regular Korean dialect, to say goodbye to people. 안녕히 가세요, for people who are leaving. And 안녕히 계세요, for someone, to you say goodbye to someone who is staying in that location. So in Jeju dialect, there's a similar way of saying it as well, is it not? Yes. So, how do you say goodbye to someone who is leaving you and you are staying put? <laughs> One more time. Oh. That's a really different one, isn't it? Yeah. Versus yeah. the other ones we learned. That's like, that's way different. So, you said that? Oh, good job. Thanks. I'm getting. I'm trying to practice before these lessons. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's when you are staying in that location, and so like at your house, yeah. And someone's leaving your house, yeah. right? Yes. And then what do you say to somebody when you're leaving their house? You're going home to your place, and you just had a lovely meal with them at theirs, and you're vacating <laughs> the premises. What do you say? Wow. One more time, one more time. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I can pronounce I, I have to see that written out. I don't think I can even pronounce that. You yeah. try it, Daryl. Well, I can see it in front of me, so it helps oh, it a little that? bit. Yeah. Jal means like well. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, and which is completely Jeju Satori. I don't know that at all. Right? So, how, <laughs> like, who, who would know this word? Like, if I'm walking down the street and I go to, like, a GS25 or I, I run into some, like, hip cats on the streets of Jeju and I want to say You did not just say them. hip cats. I did say hip cats. Can oh, I? my God. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 if I was leaving and I went, would they be like, oh, that guy, that guy's, he's dope. Which is also what you know. The first thing that popped in my head, besides how old you are acting right now, uh, the first thing that popped in my head was maybe this would be good when you're getting off of a bus. Oh, there you go. But would the bus driver know? Oh, maybe. Maybe. But this is this old Jeju dialect. So, like, actually, like my age, we we don't use it anymore. Right. So, but like my my. 
parents' age, like grandmothers and grandfathers still use it. Mm-hmm. I think friends. getting off the bus if it's an older person, or I definitely think when you're leaving a restaurant that's like your favorite mom and pop joint mm. on Jeju, that would be you'd be like you'd be impressing some people if you did that. Yeah. Yeah, or like at the five day market, as we always say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The five day market. Mm-hmm. Five yeah, day market. Yeah. But why is it like why is it not used so much anymore? Like, like you know, like, like languages are now like dying. Like small words are like disappearing nowadays because of like globalization, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jeju dialect itself is under attack. Like. It, it keeps diminishing. I haven't figured out how many, the percentage of people who still use it, but I've seen that it, it's diminishing all the time. Mm. So this is just another mm. example of uh, the dialect disappearing, I guess. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Which is, you know, which is partially why we're doing this. Doing these lessons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you, teacher. Yeah. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> since. Uh, which one? Which one do I use? Since I am leaving and you are going, San Singim, mm-hmm. I will say Chali Chali Ship Sa Yang. No, <laughs> I did that bad. Say, no, you should say Chai Hunja Gap Sa Yang. Oh, Hunja Gap I can say that one better, San Singim. Hunja Gap Sa Yang. Chali Ship Sa Yang. Oh, that's great. I'm going to say ciao. Yeah, yeah. or just just nod politely. See ya. (laughs) And that's been another corner of, another corner, another segment of JG Dialect Corner. And until next time, I I don't actually have an ending for this. Until next time, keep speaking JG Dialect. (laughs) I like that one. Good. Keep practicing, people. Keep practicing. Keep practicing. Now we have a very special interview with Brenda Bexonu of the house that Jan and Brenda built, which is where we are very fortunate to be here so today. So lucky. Thank you yeah. so much for having us no, here. It is, and by the way, for those of you watching, um, I will, and well, those of you listening, I will be taking pictures and throwing it up on our Instagram. It is a beautiful stone house. Mm, and which you can follow us up, me, you, and Jeju at Instagram. <laughs> Way to plug that. And other yeah. stuff. Yeah. All so right. now, now for those who are unaware, uh, Brenda, you are a third generation Korean American from Los Angeles, California, who's worked as a reporter in both the States and Korea and is an author of four or five books because I've seen some say four. Your Wikipedia, which is awesome, says five, and including two specifically centered on Jeju Island. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Welcome. We're so happy to be here. We're so happy. We got a little lost trying to find this cute little house tucked Mm. in the village, but it's really nice. This Mm. is an old, old village. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I think... Untouched, really. It used to be one extended family that lived in a lot of it. But it's unusual because there's no pensions allowed or cafes in this little niche. Oh, really? So there's only about 12 houses, but, Mm -hmm. you know, there's... You're not allowed to... Yeah, Yeah, it's really nice. Hey, isn't that nice? There is one whose address will remain anonymous (laughs) that I noticed they do use it as a little... They're trying to get a sneak in. You know what? I must say I really appreciate that you you have found a little place that is untouched Mm. because one of my biggest complaints is how much Jeju is growing. We did an episode about um, two episodes ago about how many cafes there are all on this island, and I really dislike it. It's my 
biggest complaint about JTU. Mm. I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that we're turning everything into one big cafe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but that's not why we're here. Mm. I just think I appreciate that this is your little nook in JTU. Our little piece of heaven. Yeah, yeah so, it's wonderful. So people, and I've met a lot of people on the island since I moved back here in like 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people I meet, when I talk to them about my interest in the island, they go, oh, have you met Brenda? And I've never met you before. <laughs> oh, please. And, and it's true. Everyone, it's true. a lot of people come in, oh, have you met Brenda? Because you should talk to her about this. You should talk to her about this. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because uh, the things that I was talking about was history, shamanism, sasam, hanyo, things that you were also very interested in. So my question is, what is it about Jeju and these aspects of the culture that made you want to relocate here? And two, uh, why do you feel so, seem to feel so at home on the island? Okay, you may have to re- Repeat all those three questions because <laughs> I am older than you guys. Okay, I will say on air, you know, I'm, I'm 73 by Western age, mm-hmm. but by Korean age, I'm 74. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason that I really like, so what I'm trying to say is that I've traveled over the course of my marriage with Jan 50 years, mm-hmm. many, many countries, probably over 40. So I've been fortunate to travel mm-hmm. and have done it since I was younger. And you find that you could go to different countries, but certain places just resonate more with you emotionally. So maybe it's age, too. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But Jeju comes together for me because it has... It's. I love the ocean. Mm-hmm. It's got... I love seafood. Mm-hmm. I love the <laughs> background of the shamanism, the history of the oppression and sasam and yeah. all of that. I connect to that. Mm-hmm. I connect to... Uh, one in four seasons because I grew up in Los Angeles. No four no seasons. No four seasons at all. Christmas with, you know, shorts yeah. on and six sandals. <laughs> I take that. I take that. Yeah. <laughs> so it is a confluence of many things. Mm. That's perfect. Um, and then as far as living here now, I think it's a perfect place for people who are elderly. Mm. Oh. I don't like to call myself elderly. No, you certainly don't. Active, active yeah. seniors mm-hmm. because before when I was young, I go, oh, Confucianism. But... The thing about the respect for the elders mm. is still something that's here. Right. And I love that because I go around with my gray hair, mm-hmm. trying to start a trend, <laughs> and, and people, you know, nod or they mm. want to help you. The little girls I can, boys I meet on the street, they go, Anyaseyo. Yeah. I love the, the civility and the kindness. Mm-hmm. And that really suits me and Jan at our age right now. Well, that's a great answer. Was there a moment when you were like, I have to live here? This is like, was there a eureka moment when you were like, Jeju is where I have to be? This is it. I'm putting roots down. There was a there was a point at which, yeah, that happened. But there was a prelude to it. So right. it wasn't just this instant epiphany. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if I go back to the tracing from the origins of my relationship with Jeju, it's kind of not so surprising. But at the point that it was like an epiphany mm-hmm. was, I think, after I had been here a few times and we went to the Henya Hakyo, you know, and then I had friends here, mm. okay. local friends. Then I decided, I really like this. So then we were starting to go back and forth to our mm-hmm. house in California. Mm-hmm. But then the more immersed I got, the more friends, the more time and energy we put into it and, and the people I met, the more I understood the history and the culture um, for a lot of things. Then we decided, this yeah, is it. let's build a house. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Brenda, when was the first time you set foot on Jeju? Do you, do you remember the year? Oh, um, yeah, that was in the 80s. 80s, okay. Yeah, 80s. And then that is the time period where you were bouncing back and forth. You were doing... No, no? I started back and forth later. The okay. first time I came here was in the 
um, 80s with okay. my aunt and, and cousin, and that's the first time I saw the Henya. But at that time, okay. that was before I was a journalist or photojournalist. Okay. So I think it just went into my subconscious. Yes. Mm. But, made it, little, it made, but it made an impression, a visceral impression that was later to surface and come up like air, like Sumbisori. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can you, real quick, just before oh, we go God. on, that's one of my favorite words. Can you really quick explain to our listeners what that word is? Sumbisori. Yes. It's, well, when the, it's one of my hey, favorite words. When the divers words. go down, whether it's for 30 seconds or a minute or a minute and a mm-hmm. half or, or even two for some, you're getting all this carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. So they have to come up for air slowly. And when they do, they exhale. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, I don't know that other free divers do this. Yeah. But the not. Cheju mm-hmm. women, when they come up and they release the carbon dioxide, they make sounds, they could be guffawing, like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. or you hear a whistle, like, you know? And they all have their own distinct. It's all very distinct. I, oh, so I just, it just it I, gives it, me chills. So one yeah. of the things I was trying to interview, I couldn't find her, mm-hmm. but then I heard in the ocean all these little different uh-huh. chorus of whistlings and guffawing, and so I found her. Mm-hmm. So it's a way that, that you magic? know that they're together. Yeah. It's magical, but it's not, because it's it's what they do to survive, it's what they do to, <laughs> yeah. you know, to locate. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, like that's that word, even the pronunciation of that word is it's just so beautiful, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I kind of just got a sidetrack, but okay. as soon as you said it, I was like, I need to, I need to, it's my favorite. Explain word. it to yeah, everybody yeah, else. Yeah, thank yeah. you for doing that. Yeah, yeah, it's a great word. Yeah. Uh, so, um, the house. Yeah. How, how did you come across this piece of property? How did you decide to build this beautiful abode? Well, one of the things that I really is iconic for me is when you come into Cheju from the plane or when you're just going around, you see green, orange, and blue. Uh-huh. And these are all uh-huh. the boat what we call stone houses. Yes. And these are all old ones. And then you see the um, white, you know, on the top, and they mm-hmm. look like cake frosting. Yep. Mm-hmm. It really that, does that, look that, like cake frosting. Yeah, yeah, that to me is so iconic. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was born and raised in the United States, so if we're coming here, we're going to build a house. For me, it's all about cultural preservation. Why would I want to build a Western-style house here right. and replicate right. California here? I don't want to do that. No. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to, especially as um, the current American, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to show that I really respected the culture, mm-hmm. and I love these stone houses anyway. Fantastic. So yeah. that was kind of my prototype. So there were a lot of different cafes and owners we met who gave us kind of ideas. And so I went in search to find an old Dolce. Okay. But in many villages, you know, it's very mm-hmm. hard to inherit because you're not part of the family. Right. So those that kind of popped up, besides the ones that are being bought up on the shores, right. cafes and pensions, are few and far between. Mm-hmm. We were very, very lucky in 2000, uh, 2015. Mm-hmm. I had a friend look in the newspaper. It kind of popped up. I called, let's go. Go, 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 go. And I was advised actually not to use a realtor, but if you don't, well, how are you going to find it? Yeah, right. so we did. especially as a, non, like as a non-Jeju native. Yeah. So we made an appointment. We only had a very short window of time to decide it. It was really detritus. It looked mm. horrible. I can't imagine. But I love yeah. the cow stall. Yeah. And it was jam like the fact that it was yeah. a little bit on the hill. Yeah. There were no cafes or pensions allowed. Yep. So we said, okay, we'll buy Let's it. Let's just do it. And we bought it with the intention that we were going to renovate what was then an Ankuri and Pakuri, which is the Cheju two houses. Yeah. Right. But it turned out one was really cinder block. We knocked it down. Okay. But then we 
thought we were going to renovate this, we had to knock it all down because everything was rotting. Right. Mm-hmm. And voila. And then it is. And so you were telling us the the original pieces now is the, the outside wall of the cow stall, which I will put pictures up on the Instagram. It's really cool because now it's your little haven. Um, so that wall and then the wall to the outside of the house is original. No, no. So the cow, the cow stall, mm-hmm. is, it's the wall and the structure. Okay. Mm-hmm. But is, they did okay. have to raise the roof a bit. Right, okay. And then one of the uh, two walls in this house mm-hmm. that we re- built, mm-hmm. that's also original. Okay. When did you realize it would be a book, though? Building the house. Because it's a you wrote a book, I believe it's 12 Early essays. On. Early on. So I'm a journalist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. how could you go through yeah. building a house and, and not, not record? I had already written other books. Uh-huh. And in fact... I used the uh, moon tights when I met my contractor, uh-huh. and I gave it to him as a gift. Uh-huh. I told him, you know what, I'm writing a book about building the house. Uh-huh. Here we so, go, let's do this. So everything, he, to do, uh-huh. he was aware that he was being recorded. And right. <laughs> did you, my insurance. Uh, uh, was he, did you find him special, or, you know, like, did he know what he was doing as far as these old houses, or you just were like... Can someone come help us? No, for good friends recommended okay. him because Perfect. he had had experience That's with what I was wondering. Okay. stone houses, okay. and he was younger, and he had studied design. So, mm. so we had you no, got this. Well, he we were on the same page. He knew my aesthetic, and yeah. we didn't have any, you know, whatever. And he said on the day that we met, he said, "You are seventy percent. I'm thirty percent." Without, oh, I love that. thirty oh. percent is fine. There's lots we don't know. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to build over him because we're ignorant. So yeah. anything that we had a disagreement on or I felt was impractical or stupid, mm-hmm. we said we didn't argue. We said, okay. Okay, you're, you okay. got the lead on this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it certainly turned out pretty perfectly. Like, it's a, it's a haven in here. Excuse me if I'm misspeaking or saying something incorrectly. Or um, The interesting thing that I find about your writing when it comes to Jeju in particular is that there... You write about things like Henyo and the Dolujip, things that maybe can seem as tourism or as a travel literature that some people might come into it. And I found it interesting that I didn't find it to be tourism. I found it to be travel in a way, a journey, a journey of of you. Not to sound cliche, is that is that fair to say? Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I mean, that's <laughs> that's what the intention of the book was. Mm. It was really that I had done. The book about the Henya mm-hmm. that was photojournalism, essays, mm-hmm. and interviews. But I thought, but that's their story. Mm-hmm. And I'm the third person. But I need to, I have so many emotions that I didn't have a chance to put into the book. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to write my story. And so that uh, Stonehouse book is the story and memoir of my life. Your here. journey, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What was the most Please. difficult part about writing that book? I had to write it here in the kitchen while the house was still. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't have a roof. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, the, I know. Seriously, oh. I think one of the some people might see this as a challenge because you know I'm not fluent in Korean, and I sometimes I joke and I say I built the house with kakao talk <laughs> and papa go. Uh-huh. But my contractor loved it because we weren't micromanaging him, uh-huh. and then in a way that turned out to be good. So I would say language was could have been a challenge. It was a challenge, mm-hmm. but we didn't make it a challenge. So we good came into you. it really wanting to let them have some, you know, leeway. We knew that. Um, Jeju standards of construction are not the same as in the United States. Right. Um, when people, it, 
we thought it was going to be built in five months. It took 18. So people, oh, good could, grief. So, oh, really? so people would ask us, well, why is it built? Why is it not built? Yeah. Well, there was a typhoon. Then mm-hmm. someone told me about, oh, it's because Shingo gone. I said, what, what's that? Oh, that's when the gods go back to the heavens and, and everybody's moving. Is moving. <laughs> yeah. and so and you you're, gotta, you're, you're on the lower yeah, rung of the ladder. Yeah, you're that not, was one reason it was delayed. Isn't so that interesting? Made, oh, and uh, the reason why we didn't show up was because we had to help our families harvest the oranges. Mm-hmm. Well, that would have been nice if they called us, <laughs> but rather than us, you know, sitting for hours and wondering why they didn't come. Mm, just thought, but overall, okay. all the Ajashis that built the house mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. worked, um, I remember every detail, and they were yeah. all wonderful yeah. to work with and, um, you know, see their craft. Mm-hmm. Now, you 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 and Jan, your husband, you do, this is, you're going to be here. This is where you're going to retire. This is it. This is your... Well, is, the initial intention was to mm-hmm. go back and forth because, right. you know, we're from the States. Mm-hmm. But in 2016, I became a legal dual citizen. Oh, good. So now I am legally also Korean American, good. not just Korean American, good. you know, that way. But I have to say, after seeing things happening in the United States, mm-hmm. the demise of democracy, yeah. a lot of the mm-hmm. things that we don't face living here. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, always being marginalized as a racial minority and also just the violence yeah. mm-hmm. because we have been fortunate privileged to have choice of where to live you know we just feel more comfortable i mean here. we've been here here i've been coming here since you know early 2000s or mm-hmm. late 1980 mm-hmm. so I, I feel comfortable for it yeah mm-hmm. it's home yep. and yeah. so we see ourselves having family friends visiting and going back mm-hmm. but i think we feel very comfortable good here. Good. I feel so that, that yeah. I think that was an epiphany that came after COVID. <laughs> and you just have see. time to reflect yeah. and think long term. Well, if there's going to be a pandemic, always. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to be? <laughs> right, right. I want to be here. Right. Well, I find it very interesting because I'm also American. I think you know I get a lot of uh, my friends are like, when you coming home? When you're coming home? But I also feel politically and uh, just with everything that was going on, I I just never thought it was the right time. And still, I don't feel the pool of going home right now. But yeah. I mean, I feel, uh, Jen and I talk about this a lot because we still have close attachments and, and our politics. And your children, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and to the United States, and we mm-hmm. follow all of that. But we feel, as Korean Americans, what is our role, being in Cheju or the United States? Mm-hmm. It's building bridges between the, the two cultures. worlds. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's what we're doing, whether or not we're in the United States yep. or here. Mm-hmm. That's a great so, way to so say that. So we don't feel like we've left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, we just feel like we're building bridges in a different situation right, right. now we're gonna uh, we want to talk to you about this in another time if you allow us to interview again because you did do quite a bit of protesting during the 1960s <laughs> right yeah. you even met yuri kuchiyama oh yes right the which friends is of the family oh really wow. Wow. Friends. and you you know the attica protest and all of that that would be wonderful to speak to you about that we we should that would be a nice interview that would again be a in good thing about social activism in mm-hmm. the 70s mm-hmm. and uh when i so um, two flags and was organizing these reunification demonstrations mm-hmm. outside of the United Nations. Mm-hmm. Those are really heavy times. Let yeah. us definitely come back. We're definitely yeah. going to. Well, that, that would be an interesting topic. And how you got your citizenship, too, is a very interesting story. Yeah, right. because of your is. grandfather. There's, we knew interviewing Brenda. We knew interviewing Brenda I was going to be fun. I, I know my <laughs> stuff. Good. There's so much to talk to you about. But if you don't mind, so we had just finished saying uh, that you've written five books. Which of the books do you, uh, you, you did say you felt so close with the journey about the stone house, but what other book do you really feel was like a, a, a love, something mm-hmm. that came from you? What was your other? I think 
the first book. Which the first book? The and which one was that? Seawood and Shaman's Inheriting the Gifts of Grief. Okay. And that was after, about eight years after our younger son, Tommy, died sudden death, mm-hmm. cardiac arrest in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then I was going back from my MFA in creative writing, and, and my project was to begin writing the manuscript for a memoir. Okay. And it's because, again, things start with the questions. People said, I don't know what I would do if that happened to me. Uh-huh. It's every parent's worst fear. But we had come through a certain amount of you know healing and grief support groups and things like that. So it was to flesh all of that out. It wasn't prescriptive, okay. and it wasn't telling one, oh, oh, here's what I did on my hip. No, mm-hmm. it was just sharing my journey, what it was like. And that book is still available, you know, and and I feel really good about it because whenever anyone has any kind of loss, whether it's a child or not, or a pet, Mm -hmm. it's something that's healing and comforting. And that kind of began the trajectory of all my projects, which I think come down to um, same themes, which is all about comfort, community, Mm -hmm. and compassion. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of your your books have a healing uh, throughout yeah, it yeah. for instance your yeah. I wouldn't uh, this is not your most recent book but uh, The Say Wall is, yeah. it's, is it's not your most recent you had written it is. it is your most recent okay apologies so let's talk about that a little bit um, Say Wall is an incident for those of you that are not familiar mm-hmm. it was a it was a fairy Say Wall is the name of the fairy it was a fairy uh, bringing uh, coming from Seoul to Jeju it was a very common route and uh, used to there used to be school trips and students would come mm-hmm. and they would come to Jeju for their school trip. It was a big thing. Um, uh, and most now students did it. most students did it now, not so much. And unfortunately this uh, fairy sank taking with it, um, tragedy, 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 304, yeah, 304 students along with others, not tragedy. to discount. Um, but so Brenda, you wrote a, a book of healing about this that, um, I read that was really beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Um, when Sewell happened in 2014, mm-hmm. Seawood and Chalmers had already been published, and it was also in Korean, but there weren't enough available. If we mm-hmm. could have, my publisher and I, we would have wanted to really give it to the bereaved families. Yes. So since 2014, my heart really just ached for these parents because I can remember, you know, what I went through. And so it's something, but nothing really kind of surfaced or happened. Well... Maybe because of COVID and having more mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. the timing was good. So the seventh anniversary was coming up. And so I had written um, kind of a children's healing story. Mm-hmm. And I collaborated with my 23-year-old German niece, who's a composer, musician, mm-hmm. and very sensitive soul, and asked her, because of her youth, to do the illustrations. Which and, are beautiful. Yeah. Oh, they're, 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 they're gorgeous. They're, they're, and the whole intention of it was to offer, I can't solve the grief for all these right. families, but I can offer them something that helped me, which was that after my son died, he came to me in a dream, and he was wearing his jeans and his sweatshirts, mm-hmm. and he had his key in the hand because he had just gotten his license, mm-hmm. and he was standing there healthy intact and handing the key back to me. Oh, and I, and I oh. remember feeling very healed from that rather than thinking of the last image at the point that he collapsed and died. Right. So I thought, that's something I can offer these parents. So the story the imagery is about, in your the own imagery head. Is, mm-hmm. is, is knowing that for visualization exactly. is something very therapeutic, scientifically proven. If you can change an image, mm. your, when you think of that trauma, you will not feel the same way. Mm-hmm. But um, So we made the story about a dream that the mother or father or, or siblings would have. But the question was, how do you get 
the spirit of the child to the mother. Mm -hmm. So they had to have a messenger. Mm -hmm. Well, dolphins, as you know, mm -hmm. come all the way back to Greece, mm -hmm. you know, as, as um, messengers and their mythology mm -hmm. and fables who are very close and protective of human beings. Mm -hmm. So the dolphin became the messenger and we have dolphins in Cheju. Yep. I even did research and found that there were dolphins in Ansan where mm. the students came from, from mm -hmm. Dunwood High School. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a little line in there. A little say, connection. Oh, yeah, I'll take the dream. You yeah. Know, I have relatives yeah. also in, in Ansan. Yeah. So the main thing was to offer something to the family. And of course, anyone else lost. So before we mm -hmm. launched the web book on the website, mm -hmm. rememberingsevil.com, we didn't launch it until I sent it first to the education system in Don Juan and Ansan. Got the and approval. The brief. Okay. Not approval, but the, as an overture to mm. let oh, I them see. know and I to see. thank them and let them know we're okay. offering just a, a gift of healing to mm. the Marie family mm. organization. So once they, that was sent and they confirmed to us, then we launched it. Okay. So okay. the good news now, um, mm. the book will also be uh, printed in print form. But right now yes. it's free. On the mm -hmm. you can do a PDF. It's called Remembering Civil. Oh, that's oh. great that it is free. Oh, it is free right now. And I thought that yeah. was interesting. We'll talk about yeah. two things. I thought that was interesting. It could be printed out. And one of your intentions was that if teachers wanted to use it, they yes. could be yeah. using it in their classrooms. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting. But I will tell you, I'm really looking forward to getting a hard copy because the illustrations really are something special. She did a great job. She did awesome I hope job. you pass I mean, it on to her. She I will. Really, I mean, I'll show her the link yeah. when it goes on. Her, yeah. her illustrations... You actually feel movement. You really in do. The ocean. I mean, that's the yeah. power of using someone yeah. who's young and, and fresh. <laughs> now, I mean, I couldn't draw it. Right, right. Now, Brenda, are you going to print that in English and Hangul? Because on the web, the yes, web, it's yes. both. So yeah. you'll yeah. offer both. Yeah. That would be wonderful. I'm really looking forward to getting that. Hopefully, for... in the, by the fall. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll make sure to like push push that out Every, yeah, advertise when, we, yeah. Here, yeah. when that actually comes to fruition mm -hmm. now also there's something else that's going on with your work which is the web two web two. <laughs> oh yeah this is so for, i love for, this for those out there who one become writers or whatever mm -hmm. or you just really you can't get too attached to what you expect the outcome once you've finished with it it mm -hmm. goes out into the world yeah. you don't know what's going to happen you never know. they'll hate it they'll love it you don't know what <laughs> So when I did the Stonehouse book, I really thought it was kind of like a footnote to other books that I did. And I'm just going to document it. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that after we did it in English, it had an even more of a cachet in Korean because for Koreans to see 70-year-old people starting from scratch mm -hmm. and building a house mm -hmm. had kind of an interesting angle, whereas in the United States it may not. No, mm -hmm. no. And as a result of that, having that kind of angle and interest... Uh, we were approached, or I was approached, to make it a webtoon. Which That's is awesome. so awesome. So, and I only found out recently that it's the webtoons that those kids are looking at on the Obs bus. Yeah. Not they're looking at their photos, but mm. they're following 10, 12 webtoons at the same Obsessively. time. It's an episode. They have, Nader so, has like yeah. just massive, all of my students, all of my mm. students are obsessive about following these tunes. Right. Yeah. So they sent me some um, preliminary galleries, <laughs> and I... And I thought, oh my God, they're actually doing the story. What do you think of yourself in cartoon form? Yeah. Well, they made me taller than I am. <laughs> Brenda's I, very short, everybody. And, 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 I did, and I didn't correct it. The <laughs> you're like, let the, me be tall. And you have the red glasses, and I always, you know, have your jewelry, this, this ring, uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. comedian ring, and so. Yeah. So they did they add that with no problem? I don't. I haven't seen. You're gonna see. Yeah. But I was surprised that they're actually holding true to the story. When I gave up the uh, 
copyright so that I get the promotion mm. in exchange, right. I just let it go off because I thought they're younger, they're fine. Yep. I don't care really what they do if yeah. they make me yeah. a witch. Yeah. Mm. But it turned out that they're, you know, actually... Like, real, like 14 and 15 can. year olds are really interested in a Korean American yeah. couple with the Jeju in the, building I, a house. Why would they be? I mean, well, you never who know. knows what children these days like, right? When does this get released? Yeah. I have no idea. So it's, just in, it's in the process. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. okay. So now there's there's one question that I did wanted to ask you, which kind of my, my surprise question that I wanted to surprise you with that I knew stuff about you was that, did you ever meet Rock Hudson? <laughs> For those out there who may not know Rock Hudson, Dreamboats. he was a dreamboat actor, and I met him, and I got his autograph. Oh, did you? Yes, and I was only eight years old, because oh. my very, very first connection to Jeju Island was that I was in a Hollywood movie called Battle Hymn, and this was uh, portrayed by Rock Hudson, who was portraying Colonel Dean Hess, a real, live American colonel, mm -hmm. who helped to airlift Korean War orphan refugees mm. to Jeju Island. Hundreds. Yeah, hundreds. And so they needed some extras. Not only did they actually fly real orphans from Korea to be adopted in the United States while they were filming, oh. they also recruited from the two Korean churches in Los Angeles. Oh, the Methodist Church and the Presbyterian Church. So I went to the Methodist Church mm -hmm. and An Chang-ho is a Korean famous um, patriot. His son Philip An was in Hollywood. So he was like the liaison with Universal Studios who oh. connected Universal Studios. The to extras the and yeah. the... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So imagine me at eight years old. My mother wakes me up early. She's French braiding my hair and I'm supposed to look like a an orphan. Right, right, right. <laughs> a stage mom. Uh -huh. And so the bus would meet at the church and they'd take us to Universal Studios. So there wow. I was on stage. Wow. Rock Hudson comes dressed like a colonel. Mm. Uh -huh. Rosy cheeks, deep, silky, mellifluous voice. Mm. Dropped it, gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And I'm eight years old. Yeah, and you're so <laughs> and I'm like, like, oh my god. Could have had it. I didn't know. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Who is this? Oh. Movie you know, stars I are different people. And, yeah. And the, the, the uh, interesting thing about this is that there is a monument in Jeju Island because oh. I've tried to find the orphanage, mm. but. I think it was in Cheju Shi and it's no longer standing okay. as it was then. Okay. But there is a monument to Colonel Hess's efforts mm -hmm. across the aerospace uh, museum area. Oh, really? Yes. In, yes. In and that, it mentions oh. Battle Hymn. Yeah. You know, so before you guys were talking about this, I had never heard of that movie. So now it's on my, I will be trying to find and watch this movie. How interesting. It's I had no idea yeah. about that history. This it's on YouTube. YouTube. So one more time, Jan, what's the name of it? Please? Battle Hymn. Okay. And it's on YouTube. Yes. Okay. And it's the full in, okay. and with a subtitle legally legally you can't no 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 oh, legally oh, 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 oh I'm not promoting yeah so never my if copy, you look for it there you, you shall find, find it, it. Shall find. no my copy is so, a DVD yeah. but I you know I didn't even know that history yeah. I didn't even know that that was also a part of JG JG was so there's so much that has happened I'm, here which is mm. and then hearing that that's something more that I want to learn about, you know, so it's, that's interesting. It's a story that I actually would have been wanting to do something with, to write yeah. about that operation, because there's a lot of interesting things that happened here during Sasam, because this is 1950 that this happened. Right. So Sasam was still ongoing, right. though the major slaughter had finished, and this is at the start of the, the Korean War. But also there's a lot of stuff that happened with orphans during that period there. on Jeju, mm -hmm. right? Like there's a, a story that I, I've been trying to get a hold of in Iowa, where Iowa sent 60, 
6,400 tons of clothing to Jeju at that period to dinner that's a a ton of clothing I mean that's not I can't even picture right but that was facilitated by people in the military who were stationed on Jeju at that time to help out the orphans here wow so there's there's a lot of interesting stories like that though Operation Baby Lip gets the most attention sure though Lots of people still don't know. So then, obviously, I don't know. know. Yeah, well, I've lived here nine years, and I mean, well, that's one of the things about this island is uh, once I started getting interested in the history, then it would just opened up. What is that in English? It opened up a wormhole. Mm. Um, yeah, something, or Pandora's box. Pandora's box. That's even better. Brenda. Both of those things are bad things, aren't they? Well, no. Well, but I mean, there are a lot of. That's you see. That's the mm. thing about Jeju. It's this paradox of when tourists come in, they see the beauty, yeah. the mm-hmm. serenity, but. The reason it's so emotional is because of the history. Absolutely. I think that's one of the reasons when Daryl asked me to do the podcast. At first I was like, I, you know, and then we talked about it more. And one of the things that really, I just, for the foreigners that are living on this island, I just really could not express enough that people learn about the land that they're living in. And so that's something that I was attracted to doing the podcast for so that we could do these bits and have these interviews where we could be educational and it's in English obviously that we could be educating you know the fellow expats that are here because I just if you're going to live here if you're choosing to live here take some time and find out a little bit about the history and there's so many opportunities now the 4-3 Peace Museum is beautiful and heartbreaking and really well done and the dark tours that are happening to recognize and give some recognition there's things out there for foreigners to really bond with this land if if that makes sense yeah yeah now i think we're almost about time so Mm -hmm. is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audiences about your wonderful house your time here (laughs) as oh hope for jeju 30 seconds your hope there you go that's a great question yeah i would love to see more consciousness about the environment and the oceans when you walk the coastal waters and you see all the pollution, mm. I have said and floated this out, I don't know what's involved, but I think, why can't there be more centralized campaigns for all the levels of school to clean up the environment? Mm. We can do it in a way that's safe. We can mm-hmm. do it in a way that's social distancing. But I think that it has to be a lot more collective attention and focus on the ocean. And I think it needs I mean, to go from the ocean, top down. Yeah, from the top down. Yeah. And with, yeah, from the top mm-hmm. all the way to mm-hmm. all the different, you know, mm-hmm. departments that will gather and organize people. And do, yeah. Right. I mean, the ocean, without mm-hmm. the ocean, mm-hmm. we're not here. Agree. Brenda, that's so Period. interesting. I'm so glad we're talking to you now because our last episode, we interviewed the founder and the CEO of Sejay Jubada. And she's a good friend of mine, and it was a fascinating interview. She is just a local, you know, she's from Kim Young, and she just became really bothered by the ocean. And she pondered it for a couple years, and then, as she told us in the interview, she decided just one day, I must do something. So she, out of her house, spawned this massive movement of Save Jeju Bada, where it brings the foreigners and locals together. And she has done amazing work on this yeah. island so but what is interesting that we just talked about is she's just one exactly. girl See, now if this thing. came from the top down imagine the impact imagine the change that could happen i mean the the henya some of the henya mm. villages they do go out oh of course know. but if the, i think the point is More. it has to be an educational effort mm. an actual physical effort mm-hmm. for everyone who's a citizen here agreed to do it mm-hmm. i mean it's our ocean agreed well I would and like it's to... jeju so exactly. you know what are you it's an island That's in an ocean yeah. well hopefully one day maybe they'll start instituting cleanups or 
like they did in Canada, non-littering movements in the school, so you get the kids young, mm-hmm. and yes. when it goes up there. But and then you jail. Yeah, that's what. I'll, thank you so much for. Thank you. Well, welcoming well, your you. doors to us. Oh no, it's been a pleasure. We and thank you for doing your podcast. Thank you. Yeah, and so for all of our listeners, we will be um, giving some information in our Instagram and our Facebook and our Twitter about the the various books that Brenda has. We'll be you know showing some things, and then I'll be putting some pictures up of this beautiful house where you can get the books. Um, But Brenda, we we will end this. But um, did you decide what um, what uh, what what your not a poem year? What do we call these? It's it's one of the articles that I uh, recently freelanced. I was asked to write about the Henya, so yeah. I did. Are you? Is this going to be the one you're going to read to us? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So what yeah, we're, we're going to cut do, this off. We're going to cut this off. Stay tuned, mm-hmm. though, and li- let's listen to an article. All right. But before we go, I'd like to thank music, Jason Lisko. Jason Lisko. Art by Sarah Hodgkiss, your host, moi, Daryl Coots, and Alexis Jordan. Until next time, be me, you, and Jeju. Jeju Island Henya, longtime environmentalist. Pekun Suk's lungs began to burn. Her bones felt as though they were being crushed. She needed to reserve enough oxygen to guarantee a safe, slow ascent. Should she risk a few more seconds to pry a sea urchin inches within her grasp? The difference between gratitude and greed, life and death, can be determined in an instant. Jeju Island's aging women of the sea in South Korea, known as Henya, have a saying. When we dive into the sea, we think we are carrying the bottom of our coffin. They view oceans as their working fields. The majority of today's free divers are over 60. A dying breed, an estimated 4,500 steel don rubber suits, goggles, fins, nets with flotation devices without the aid of scuba tanks. We don't need them, said one Henya. They're too much trouble. Indeed, one can hold their breath at depths of 65 feet for as long as one to three minutes. Such repeated intervals for several hours allow for quite a hefty collection of abalone, conch, octopuses, sea urchins, and turban shells. The first mention of female divers in Korean literature first appeared in a 17th century monograph of Jeju geography. Prior to that, Jeju's diving tradition dates back to 434 AD, when the activity was exclusively a male profession. I first saw the Henya in the mid-1980s. Never before had I seen other Korean women, my size and body shape, diving with gray hair. Years would pass before I returned to Jeju Island in 2007, 2008, and 2009 as a photojournalist to document the lives of this metrifocal society. My result resulted my research resulted in the publication of Moon Tides, Jeju Island Grannies of the Sea, published in 2011. At that time, I learned to appreciate their communal sense of responsibility to each other, their families and villages. Whenever they dive, they work in groups. Each diving community has their own association and strict protocols for harvesting marine products. Many offspring have been sent off to college based on their mother's earnings, the most productive earning as much as $25,000 per year. Most Henya I interviewed said they learned to dive by following their mothers to the sea before age 10. They were taught not only how to scour the ocean floor, but to respect the underwater source of food for their families. I'm careful not to be too greedy because there are fewer sea products than five years ago, said Usundok in 2007. 
Warmer climate and polluted waters also are factors reducing their abundance. Safety is a predominant concern. During the springtime, the Henya attend charismatic shaman rites to pray for their protection and successful harvests. The kuts are important because they risk their lives all the time in the water. They need something to rely on. The kuts give them security and make them feel at ease, said Cheju shaman Sosunshil. Nearly 15 years later, I've acquired a deeper appreciation for these sea stewards. Cheju Henya have always been inseparable from the global human chain of planet Earth environmentalists. This windy island of nearly 700,000 inhabitants is part of the Pacific Ocean, the most polluted of all five oceans. An estimated two trillion pieces of plastic are floating underwater, often being mistaken and eaten by sea turtles and other fish. Dead zones are increasing. Halfway between California and Hawaii is the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Jeju Island shares the burden of these crises. As part of their civic responsibility, younger Henya regularly dive into the sea to extract garbage, plastics, fishing nets, bottles, cans, oyster traps, styrofoam, and other human litter. Tourism, overdevelopment, a naval base, and plans for a second airport also threaten their survival. In pre-COVID years, Seoul Jeju consistently ranked as the world's busiest air route with an average of nearly 200 flights per day. Unfazed by the attention of tourists and the media for their prowess, Henya view themselves simply as ordinary workers. Their propitious legacy is best summed up by oceanographer Sylvia A. Earle. If we fail to take care of the ocean, nothing else matters. No ocean, no us. We need to protect the ocean the same way we protect the land. The ocean is the galaxy of life.